Welcome to the Reaction Podcast. We are back, still in the Motive series. Got a special guest, first time on the podcast, Nick Cooper's with us. Hello, hello, hello. Excited Nick preached this weekend as we're looking at some of the things that Christians do that can seem a little odd, a little strange to people that don't go to church. And we've just been talking all month about why those things are important, why we do them, the reason and scripture behind them. And this week's topic was worship. So Nick jumped in since he is our worship leader at HSM. That's right. Yeah. Nick, how was your uh, how was your experience? Came, he came out from behind the guitar. That's right. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Put the, the security blanket. Down, the security blanket was put away. <laughs> yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was it good. Was... I went way longer than I thought I was going to. Uh, you know, join right. the club. Yeah, it's all right. happens. There's I'm no like, there's no clock in the room. How long so did you, you go? Like, I don't know. Thirty five <laughs> minutes. Wow. Thirty five minutes. So. We, we had a little icebreaker question for the students before we jumped into the sermon. We want to just start out the podcast this morning talking about that same question. So, guys, the question was, uh, what is your favorite band that, that you have ever seen perform live? And what was that experience like? Mm. What, what would your all's answer Brethren to that question be? I have been. I have been. <laughs> and, and everybody guessed it on Sunday. I think Trent said from the stage, like, Brad, how many times have you said you two? And... It was many, you know, I would basically just listen to what students would say, like, what's your favorite band that you've seen? And they would say it. And I'd be like, well, that's great, but you're wrong. <laughs> the best band live is you too. Right. And so it's not, and there's, there's really not even a debate at this point. So, I mean, I'm sure we're all going to share ours, but I just want to stay state beforehand <clears throat> that whatever you say is wrong. Um, <laughs> Why was it so good? It was, it was, I mean, I saw them. So I saw them last summer. And it was the the Joshua Tree tour. So they're playing what is quite quite honestly the best album ever. They're playing it live, and they played it in its entirety. Um, and 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 no, like it was a religious experience. Let's just say that. And <laughs> and I'm fully convinced at this point that that Bono is going to be the front man of the worship band for for eternity in heaven. Right? What color sunglasses do is he wearing? I, well, I don't, he won't need them at that point, right? Because he wears them <laughs> now because he needs them. Um, yeah, so, yeah, he won't need them at that point. Bono will be sunglassless. New heaven, new earth, new body. Yeah. No more sunglasses but for he Bono. Won't, but he won't need a new voice because it's already perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, aside from you two, Nick, what, what was your answer to the question? Um, I would be need to breathe. Uh they're kind of they're kind of folksy, Roxy. I've seen them like three or four times now, um, but in recent years they've gotten a little bigger production-wise, and it's uh, they're pretty stinking good. Hmm. But I think what makes them so good is their their sound is very uh, communal. So like everybody else is singing along with them, uh, which makes the experience a little bit different. Because listening to an album is is very personal. Uh, you just hear the band and what they put out, but in a room full of people the energy is just way better. So, yeah, mine, uh, mine's Johnny swim. I've seen him twice now in the chemistry that they have on the stage. Like, I don't care what they sound like, but if you just turned the house off and I got to just watch them perform, I would still go to the show hmm. because just for clarity's sake, Johnny swim is not a man, right? It is a, it's a group, right? He's not hus- swimming. It's a husband and wife, right? Correct. It's a couple. Yeah. They're incredible. Uh, the wife Amanda, her mom is Donna Summers. 
it's like this this legacy but they are they are amazing and their chemistry is what makes them great so yeah. can't get enough can't get enough i went to their show a few weeks ago and the lights came on at the beginning and instead of you know normally when they start out a show it goes dark and the band comes out they turned the lights up so bright you couldn't keep your eyes open so hmm. they blinded you and the band came out while you were blinded yeah just so so creative and at that point all you can do for the rest of the show is just listen yeah because your eyes don't work right right <laughs> you need to steal bono's sunglasses that's great yeah so, i mean what a, that's a good that's a good strategy again that's a really good strategy. I, I would say that felt like heaven to me so maybe it'll be bono and johnny swim yeah co-leading co-leading a couple, together a couple weekends without being able to see eternity anything. yeah yeah but right off the top nick let's jump into talking about worship uh just starting with the word like what what did you say kind of about just the word worship and what that means yeah so worship uh, is kind of an old word that we've stolen and and you know changed over the years um in old english it was worthship so uh literally determining how much something is worth is something that that we used to do and we needed we needed a word for it so um that's where the word comes from and uh worship can be all kinds of different things so um yeah, we ascribe worth to God in in every way that we live. So, yeah. So it's it's ascribing worth. It's giving God the attention that He deserves. Uh, it's interesting because it's almost this kind of summary of like what we say like Christianity is like following Jesus is assigning Him worth above everything else, right? Like that's kind of the first commandment. Um, and yet, worship is this word that we kind of distill that that feeling, that pursuit down into, and it's something that we practice every week. Uh, why do you guys think that that we need a word uh, to kind of sum that up, or we need one practice to kind of focus that that attention putting um, into? Like, why is, it a, why is that a struggle in life, and how does worship help us uh, kind of just perform that putting God above everything else? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, well, I think you said, like, it's, it's interesting that that, like, the whole idea of worth and value is it's something that that I think God knew from the beginning. I mean, I mean, obviously, even with Adam and Eve, that there was going to be this tension. There was going to be this tension between ultimately His desires for us and what He wants for us, and His word for us and to us, and the things that we want and the things that we chase after. I mean, so from the very beginning of of Scripture, you see that tension kind of exist. And so, you know, God looks at Adam and Eve and says. There's every you can have everything in the garden you want, just don't eat from that tree. And then, you know, the enemy Satan comes around and says, "Are you sure that's what God says?" You know, and I think that's the that's the struggle. I think often for us is we continue to buy into that same that same lie. And they, it's and, it, and it's interesting to me that that even when we talk about the way that that Satan uses lies, and Jesus says he's the father of lies. When he lies, he speaks his native language, right? He speaks his that's that's the only thing he can speak. Um, is these aren't the kind of lies that are bold-faced, right? They're not the kind of lies you can see coming from a thousand miles away. They're they're the same kind of lies that he that he used to to kind of trick and 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 deceive Adam and Eve. And it's like, are you sure that's what God says? Are you sure that's what He wants? Like, because that fruit looks really good, you know that 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 tree looks. He just doesn't want you to have good things. Yeah. And I think so often that's that's the struggle for us when it comes to. And then you like you mentioned even you know in in the you know, in, in the covenant that God makes with the nation of Israel as they are, you know, coming out of slavery in Egypt, you know, the first commandment is you you shall have no other gods before me, right? So it is like 
like I'm it. Like when it comes down to the, the, the scale of things and what you put and attach value to, I should be number one. But even though that's what he says, it's like right behind, well, is it, are you sure that's what God says? Are you sure God says he should be the most valuable thing in the world or should taking care of your family be the most valuable thing in the world? You know, or, or, or going on a nice, like taking your family on a nice vacation. Should that be a thing or, or getting, you know, this job or this promotion or this thing? Are you sure that's, are you sure that's what God says? Well, that's really a part of that. Right. And what happens is we start to slowly compromise and we slowly begin to, to make an exchange or we trade some of God's value for other things. And, and so for me, as I think about that question of like, you know, that, that struggle and why do we have to attach a word to it? It's because if we didn't have that word and we didn't have the idea of worship, like ascribing and attaching to God the worth that he deserves, I mean, it would just be for us, we would just attach that. We would make everything in our lives ultimate. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's an unapologetic practice of putting God first because in every other expression of our time or expression of our faith, it's like in preaching, in reading books, in, in the entertainment that we consume, in Bible studies, like in prayer, all of those things like are ways to elevate the name of Jesus, but they're also uh, times where we have opportunities to celebrate like the things that are next to us, the things that we love, the things we've been blessed with. Like worship is really only a time to celebrate Jesus and who he is. Like it's only a time to lift up the name of God, which is really, really cool. So it's, it's a very focused, mm-hmm. uh, time to do that. One thing, um, that gets a little muddy is we, we speak about worship a lot as a lifestyle. We speak about it as, um, you know, that, that overarching practice, something that, that extends beyond Sunday. But Nick, you chose to kind of hone in on the idea that, um, let's just talk about worship as singing worship as the thing that we think of most, like, uh, the, the music that we sing along to, uh, from the stage on Sundays every week, you focused in on that. Um, and I think it was cool how you, you took a pretty systematic approach to that because, uh, I think people's problem with worship is that it's never something that's necessarily explicitly explained. So it's like, it's this thing that I, I really like, or I really don't like, but I'm not sure what to do with it. Um, and I'm not sure that I fully understand it. I just know that I participate in it. I love that you were able to kind of break it down into some very, very practical, um, reasons as to here's why exactly we do this and here's what we can walk away and take away from this. So just walk us through kind of some of those points of why we worship that you, you talked through on Sunday. Yeah. So the first one, um, was we worship to remember. And I think even, even zooming out and looking at kind of what you guys just talked about, like the, the reason and and part of that struggle is that we are a needy people. And so every time a need pops up in our lives, our attention goes to that. And so we're constantly distracted. And, and we talked about, you know, first Corinthians when, when Paul says, and whatever we do, we eat or drink, give all glory to God. We do that through singing as well, because it, it forces us to focus our attention there. Um, we talked about in Exodus, um, 15, when, when Israel's delivered, um, from Egypt and then they, they are immediately, they're hungry. So their need pops up. And instead of giving God the glory for, for what he had done for them and what he was going to do for them in giving them food again, they focus on their need. Um, and even with, with, um, Adam and Eve, that same thing is true. So, um, we worship God to remember, to remember the good things he's done in our lives and, and the things that he's done even throughout eternity in the Bible. Um, just all the ways that he's delivered his people. Um, secondly, we talked about worshiping to remove doubt. And this is, quite possibly the the bigger um, point for families I believe um, doubt is not something we talk about a lot mm-hmm. you know it's not yeah. something we want to we want to admit because 
doubt means that we have lack of faith. Yeah. Um, Don't you so that bring freaks that us in out. Here. Yeah. Don't you bring that doubt yeah. in here. It worries us. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that I recommended for uh, students is if you don't have a solid routine uh, for quiet time with the Lord, like reading through the Psalms is huge because David is a real guy. Like, like he's, he's had the struggles. We've literally seen that more of his life than probably anybody else in the Bible. We saw him at 12. We saw him, you know, as the guy conquering the, the giant. We've seen him as king. We've seen him at his best, his worst. And he kind of lays all that out um, in the Psalms. So in Psalm 13 and, and again in Psalm 77, we, we see kind of David's struggle with, with life um, and, and how he pushes through that. He worships through the doubt um, and through the problems in order to achieve that faith that's waiting on the other side of doubt. Um, and then lastly, we, rehe- we worship to rehearse eternity. Um, I remember just a conviction uh, growing up of feeling lesser than because I was a worship leader and not, not a preaching pastor, um, just coming up through the ministry. And one of a fellow worship pastor was like, well, are we going to, are we going to be preaching in heaven? And I was like, I don't think so. Like, I don't, I don't know why we need it. Um, but then you look at revelation four and you see, we will be worshiping. Like this is the one thing that we know we get to do for eternity. Um, and sure it sounds different. I'm, I'm sure it becomes much less about ourselves than it currently is in the worship world and becomes even more about, about Jesus. Um, but it's, it's not, it's not the end game. I think a lot of people come into worship as if it's the only time they experience time with the Lord. It's the only time they encounter the spirit. Um, and something we kind of honed in on was, was that this is just practice. You know, this is, this is rehearsal for, uh, what we will be doing for eternity. So that's kind of the abbreviated thing. So, yeah, yeah. I had a coach. It's, it's fun. It's funny. You'd say like, I, I loved it. You said that on Sunday about like, this is just practice. You know, I had a, uh, a coach and even when I coached myself, but a, you know, so, something a coach said to me, I've said to players that I've coached is like, you practice like you play. Mm-hmm. Right, like, and th- and this is the time to practice. Like, this is the time to learn. This is the time to be because there's a point in time where you're going to get on the field and you're going to play. Yeah. But you got to you got to bring that same heart and that same that same mindset and that same attitude of, you know, you're not just going to walk through practice and be lazy, right? You're not just going. It's not going to be sluggish. Like, no, you're going to practice the way you want to play. Mm-hmm. You want to practice with the same amount of passion that you're going to play the game with, um, understanding that yeah, this is an opportunity to learn. This is an opportunity to grow. This is an opportunity to try new things and yeah. and stuff like that. But you got to practice like you're going to play. Yeah, I practice, think that's a huge deal. Practice is is muscle memory, and worship is muscle memory. Yeah. I think one of the things that we don't realize about the worship songs we sing is how much we're singing scripture every Sunday. Yeah. Right. Like there's these these phrases and these songs that are so so familiar because we've heard them over and over and over. And what we don't realize is they're pulled straight out of scripture. Mm-hmm. And in those moments of crisis, or in those moments of doubt, or in those moments of celebration. Uh, worship songs are often the first thing that pop into people's heads. Mm-hmm. And it seems like this this simple, like, oh, that's the thing that came to me because it's a song that we sing a lot. But but within that song is the truth of Scripture. Within that song are the words of the Holy Spirit. And so yeah. it's an incredible tool uh, for, for the Spirit to be able to use to equip you for situations. And I think we just take for granted the fact that you know, we are singing the words of Scripture every Sunday. Um, and the value in that 
from a memory standpoint and the value in that from a recall standpoint, from a muscle memory standpoint, is that that is going to fuel you to be able to react to the situations that you're going to come across in life, which is really good. Uh, So as a worship leader, especially with students, Mm -hmm. um, the reaction to worship varies week to week. Sometimes uh, you'll get a room full of people that are just out of their minds excited to worship. Sometimes you get a room full of people who are less excited to worship. <laughs> uh, and and we all know as people who attend church that we come in on Sundays um, with a good attitude, sometimes with a bad attitude sometimes. Um, but what do we say to people uh, when when they're just like, man, I am not feeling like I want to worship right now? Or this expression of worship is just not my thing. Like, I don't connect to this the way that I feel like other people connect to it. Uh, what do you say to those people who have trouble uh, lining up the, the expression of worship and the, the emotions that they feel inside their own mm-hmm. soul? Yeah, I think a lot of people give too much too much credence to preference. Um, you know, we're, we're kind of spoiled here at Southeast because our our production is is just crazy. Like, we have so many resources to be able to put together an experience. Um, but I think the, the meaningful part isn't the experience itself. It's more of your participation in, in what's happening. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I grew up with mostly hymns, you know, piano, organ, drums were like maybe in the youth's area. The devil. Um, but, you know, we, we had to worship in all different kinds of ways. And um, so I think a lot of times we get caught up in the in the feeling of it. And I'm, I'm always using, like, fitness and sports analogies just because they apply to real life, you know. Most people don't wake up in the morning going, I can't wait to work out, man. I can't wait to, like, run five miles. But you know that in doing that, you're going to be healthier. Yeah. So I think a lot of times that's how we have to view worship. You know, there, there's times where even as the worship leader, I don't feel like worshiping that morning. Um, and it's crazy that after doing it, after I don't want to say pushing through it because that's not what's happening. There is there is a heart shift where you say like, no, I need to do this. And I think looking at the Psalms, you see that. But the act of participating in worship actually makes you want to worship, if that makes sense. Um, same thing with with health. You know, the 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 more focused you are on that, the healthier you become, and the result ends up being why you want to do it. So, um, yeah. But it's also okay, just like we said, to to come in with your doubt. Um, and just say, you know what, I don't believe this right now, this, these words that I'm singing, but I'm going to see them in the hopes that God will restore just a supernatural amount of faith because I'm going to sing these words. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I think, you know, even you mentioned David, you know, and I think this is a great example of this. You know, as you read through the Psalms, you know, and, and I think this goes back to even, you know, a, a false assumption on our part that God only wants our happy. You know, God only wants our happy. He only wants our, you know, like, and the, the reality is I don't feel happy all the time. And so if I'm not feeling happy, that's the only thing God wants for me. And so if I can't be happy, then, you know, there's some, there's some element. You mentioned this on Sunday of shame, mm-hmm. you know, of like, well, I'm, I'm living in the shame. I shouldn't be feeling this way, you know, and, and God really only wants my happy. He doesn't want my doubt. He doesn't want my questions. He doesn't want my sadness. He doesn't want my anger. And, you know, to that, I would say, just read the Psalms mm-hmm. because that's where, you know, I mean, you, you look at David's life and some of us go like, I know we just talked about David too in our Thrill Ride series, but, 
you know, you look at David's life and go, okay, this was a guy who, like you're saying too, it's like, this is, this is a guy who learned to worship, not based on experiences. Yeah, the dude wanted to build the temple, you know, for God, but this is a guy who learned how to worship out in a field watching sheep, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. like that's where he learned to worship was at night staring up into the stars in the sky and realizing, oh, there's no way those are there on accident, you know, and, and, and as he was delivered from the hands of a, you know, mouth of a bear and the teeth of a lion and all this kind of stuff. I mean, those are the things that, I mean, he's looking back on those experiences, but then at the same time too, you know, for those of us and, and parents and students, I think this applies to, to both, both groups of us to think, well, God doesn't want this part of my life or God does not, you know, he's not, I, I'm dealing with the shame of, of this part, and there's no way God would want this. It's like, well, David was a guy that had an affair, right? Had his, you know, had had his mistress's husband killed, um, you know, got her pregnant. His kids were were a train wreck. You know, you got one kid who rapes another kid, and then the other kid comes in and kills the kid that raped that kid. And David, of course, goes crazy. I mean, it's like you look at that. The, he's he's writing psalms. He's mm -hmm. writing worship songs as this stuff is happening yeah, in yeah. his life. And you go, man, if he can do that, and he's, and there's at no point is he just kind of trying to gloss it over and cover it up. You know, he's going, no, I'm angry with mm -hmm. you, you know, yeah. and then you, you mentioned on Sunday too, like there's a point when, in so there's several Psalms where David just lets God have it. Like you said you would do this. You yeah. know, you look at David and he's putting his finger in God's chest and going, you didn't hold your end of the bargain. But then there's always some point in that Psalm where he'll come around and go, but I remember, you know, and I remember this, which we talk about, we worship to remember, we worship to remove doubt. And it's almost like, even though David's putting his finger in God's chest and going, this is not fair. This is not okay. This is not what you promised. He goes, oh yeah, but... I do remember this. And now that doubt that he has starts to kind of crumble, you know? And so I do think that that's, you know, for, for us to say, look, I, I may not believe this right now. I may yeah. not believe you're a good, good father, but I'm going to sing the song, you know, in spite of the fact that I don't feel like it. Yeah. Um, and we talk about faith, you know, and a definition of faith that we've given our students is, you know, I'm choosing to believe what uh, may not yet feel true. You know, and it's like, it may not feel true that, that this is who God is, or this is what, you know, Jesus has done for me. That may not feel true for me right now, but I'm going to choose to believe it, even though it doesn't feel that way. Yeah. Um, and so worship does allow us to step into that and say, you know, and it's okay. I would say God can handle your anger. God can handle your doubt. God can handle your questions. God can handle your sadness. Uh, he's not going to shy away from those things. Uh, and worship allows us the opportunity to bring those things to him in an honest way and not feel ashamed about the reality of our lives. Because it's not like he doesn't know. You know, he knows and he gets it. And so you're just saying, you're just relaying to him what he already knows uh, to be true in an honest way and not trying to cover it up and be somebody you're not. So I think worship gives us an opportunity to be authentic and transparent, mm -hmm. but also vulnerable. Um, I don't know I'm talking too long, but I'll, I'll share this one last thing that, that, you know, I, I was sharing with one of our uh, one of our coworkers yesterday of like transparent is you're allowing someone to like look into your life through a window. You know, I'll let you see through the window what goes on in my life. Vulnerable says I'm going to invite you into my living room. And that's what that is. I mean, that's the difference between transparency and vulnerability. They're actually yeah. not one and the same. And so when we worship in a way that's honest to say, God, I'm, I'm angry with you today, or I'm mad at my wife today, or I was mean to my kids today, um, I wasn't a good dad today, um, I'm, bringing, I'm allowing God not to just look at my life through a window, but come into my living room and, and maybe we can work this stuff out. Yeah. yeah.
Yeah, I think a, a great way to sum that up is just that worship is not a time to bring some things. Worship is a time to bring everything. Yeah, it's good. Uh, I'm I'm hurting, but I still love you. That's a choice that we have uh, in life to make when we speak to the people in our lives, our spouses, our kids, our friends. Like, I'm hurting, but I still love you. And that's a choice that we have when we're speaking to God. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we can choose to say, I'm in pain, and we can choose to say, things are not going the way that I expected them to go, um, but I still love you. And in even with modern worship songs, like, if you think that they're just about bringing joy uh, into the, the sanctuary on Sunday morning, like, dig into the lyrics, because uh, it made me think of the song, How He Loves Us, like, on a, at face value, you might take that song as just a celebration of how much God loves us, but look at what that song really is. And it's John Mark McMillan writing about his friend who died as a young man who was ripped away from his family. And if you listen to the live recording, you hear him just break into tears by the end of the song because that is the place that that worship was written out of. That is the place out of which John knows I am loved by God and I love God in spite of the fact that my friend is gone. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's that's a great point uh, for those that, that don't feel necessarily like their lives fit into uh, the mold of, of the people who are worshiping around them. We've all got stuff. Like the person that's next to you, uh, in the seat next to you, you may have never had a conversation with them, but the chances are they felt a lot of the same pain that you felt at some point, or maybe they're feeling it right now. Um, what's cool is we get to come into the same room and we get to worship the same God together uh, and all choose to love him as a united family which is which is really really cool yeah so speaking of families uh i think i'd love to just leave families who are listening to this with one one question this week as we were in our preaching meeting uh we talked about we're kicking around you know what is worship and and how does it fit into the week and and everything and the the image that kind of popped into that conversation was just worship is almost uh it's almost like an exclamation point like you can use an exclamation point on the end of any sentence Mm -hmm. and it's going to hold the same meaning, the whole hold the same excitement level. It's going to represent the same level of emotion, but the sentence that that exclamation point is on the end of is 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 at the end of is going to define what that exclamation point means. Um, and so, worship is a celebration. Worship is deep emotion. Worship is passionate. Worship is a time to bring everything. Um, but what is the sentence? What does the week look like leading up to Sunday when we all get in the room and worship? Um, and I think a great way to look at just how how meaningful worship can be in in your life and and how um united your family can be and standing there and singing those songs together is just to ask like well well if worship is the exclamation point what does the sentence look like what does our week look like Mm -hmm. what are we doing to prepare ourselves to get into the room Mm -hmm. and worship god and uh are we proud of of what that exclamation point is on the end of or is that something uh that we need to uh, really just examine and really just work on and really just search the, the heart of the Lord on um, to, to work on and, and where are we coming from when we come into worship. So I think that's a good question to ask to kind of just align our hearts like let's get ready to go into the presence of God and just worship Sure, yeah. with, with abandon. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I think something that you could do at home um, that would really – really set everyone in your family up for, for honest worship is to talk about doubts openly. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, especially as a high school student, like there's, there are so many voices. Like by the time we're our age, like we've, we've come through a lot of that. Like not to say we don't have doubts still about things, but we know what voices to listen to and which ones to ignore. Right. I think as a high school student, you're kind of going, 
they all sound the same. Yeah, they all yeah. sound the yeah. same. They all sound valid. They have good arguments. Yeah. But mom and dad really have the say. You know, you may not always agree with them, but they're they've been through it. They know which voices to shut off and which ones to turn up. Um, so being able to comfortably talk about your doubts as a family is massive. Mm. Um, and just to say, it's okay. Like I have those two, you know, God doesn't expect us to have it all figured out. Like that, that's kind of the, the knowledge of tree or the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Like that's a good example. Like he doesn't need you to know everything and figure everything out. He's God. You're not. Um, so do that as a family and just talk about the things that you're struggling through and, and allow that to kind of bring you to the breakthrough that, that you'll have in worship. Um, and then another one that I was thinking of just as we sat down was in what, three, three weeks, you're going to have an opportunity to lead, to, to be in worship together every Sunday morning Yeah, yeah. for seven weeks. Um, so lead the way, like as, as parents, I think it's, it's our responsibility to model for our kids what authentic worship looks like. And for me growing up, that was not, that was not always true. You know, our, our church was very stoic. Um, and I don't know why. I don't know there's a difference really until I saw other churches I was like, huh, they're a little more expressive. I wonder why. Um, and, but I never, I never was told, you know? So I think as parents having the opportunity to worship alongside your student, um, just being able to, to express yourself and, and talk about it afterwards, you know, this is why I worship in this way. Just like you said, it's bringing everything. It's, it's, it's similar to, the Old Testament sacrifices where you're saying like, I'm giving you, I'm giving you all of this right now. This is my act of sacrifice. So, uh, lead the way with, with expression for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, the, um, even as I'm thinking through like things for us to do in the home and and even going back to the doubt things of recognizing that, you know, that there, there are doubts and doubts are real. And, and a lot of times our doubts are based on our circumstances because our circumstances give us reason to question, um, something that I was taught, this was years and years and years ago is just the idea of, of it's, it's called declaration prayer, right? Mm. So it's a way of just, and it's not, it doesn't have to be these big, long flowery prayers of, you know, massive words and paragraphs and, and all, it can just be a sentence of God, you are this. And, and it's a, you know, declaration. We see, you know, promise of his that comes from scripture of, you know, God, we, God, I declare that you're good even though right now things don't seem really good, even though right now maybe I don't believe that you're good, I just declare that you're good. Um, and it's declaring those things out loud and speaking those things. I mean, it is, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an opportunity of saying, look, God, I know this is a promise that you've got in your word. It's based on your character. It's based on who you are. And so I'm just going to declare that. And so I think as, as much as we're going to sit down and have these conversations at home to say, look, I, this is an area where I'm struggling or this is an area where I doubt, I think then to just go, hey, as a family, could we could we just declare some some of the things that we see in scripture mm-hmm. that God is, yeah. you know, things that he does. God, you are a rescuer. Uh, God, you are a savior. God, you never give up. You know, they don't have to even be churchy words. Uh, God, you don't quit. Um, and we need, we need your don't quit today. Mm-hmm. You know, we need that in our family today. Um, I think even as a family, just to say, look, we're going to do that. And maybe it's right before a meal. Maybe it's before you drop the kids off at school and if school's ending, you know, things like that. I don't know what it is, but it's like, hey, I'm just going to declare this promise over you, son or daughter, today of, you know, that you you would believe that and you would trust that, that this is who God is because this is who he says he is. Um, I think that's a real practical way for us to engage in some of that stuff too. And then yeah. you bring that into worship uh, and recognize that when you're worshiping and when, yeah, the band's playing and, 
you may not like the chord progression of this song, and you may not like the guy that's singing this song or the girl that's singing this song, and it may be too high for you to sing, just go for it. Because really what you're doing is, beyond preference, you're declaring the truth about who God is. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that's the thing I think for us is like, you know, a challenge to say, hey, hey get over preference. <laughs> yeah. If I can just be that direct and say, yeah, you may not like the fact that it sounds a little more rock and roll, or you may yeah. not like the fact that it sounds like, you know, there's a techno beat, you know, or you may not like the, like the fact that there's a rap song, you know, a rap verse in the middle of the right. song. Get over it. Yeah. Get beyond preference. Understand that what worship is an opportunity for you to declare the presence of God, to be led into that and, and just follow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like follow. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a that's a good challenge. Yeah, you can have as much of a good date at Waffle House as you can at Ruth Chris if the same passion and the same relationship is the foundation of that, right? Yeah. And so it doesn't matter preference. It doesn't matter setting. Uh, and if you can't afford Ruth Chris. It's, a, it's about your, passion. Your, yeah. your only option is Waffle House, and so you're excited about it. Right, you get excited about it. I've never been to Ruth's Chris. <laughs> I have been to Waffle House. <laughs> I was there last night. <laughs> the repercussions so, are different as well, but... <laughs> So to wrap up, just know the doubts of your family, know the pain of your family, know the celebrations of your family, look for scriptures that answer those things, amplify those things, speak about those with your kids, with your spouse, and then come in ready to lead your family uh, as, as you're being led in worship on Sundays. We look forward to a worship culture uh, being just just gaining momentum at our church over the summer mm-hmm. and being able to do that as a family. It's going to be super, super cool. Uh, and that's about all the time we have, but we'll be back next week with more uh, more answers to the big questions of why we do what we do at church. That's right. We'll see you next week. Thanks, Thanks for listening. listening.